Hi there, it's Mark from Third Shot Sports. This is Pickleball Problems. Pickleball Problems is the podcast where we take your phone calls and we answer your problems. Call 1-833-PICKLEBE. That's 1-833-742-5532. And leave me a question. All right, let's get started. Hi, Mark. This is Martha from St. Louis. Um, You were here in January and um, just love you and your show. And um, so my question is of a sensitive nature. It's about my serve. When you were in St. Louis, you videoed my serve and said it was a legal serve. A friend at my pickleball club says it's not legal. She has started watching me and sometimes standing at the line to stalk me. When you assured me that my serve was legal, that made me really happy. And my uh, pickleball pro in St. Louis, where I continue to take lessons, he reassures me that it's legal. What should I do about the etiquette part? First of all, I should say that just because someone does a legal serve doesn't mean that their serve is forevermore legal. I could drive the speed limit right now and tomorrow drive above the speed limit, right? One legal serve doesn't mean you're forever a legal serve. At the same time, one illegal serve does not mean that you are forever an illegal server. So that's important to distinguish, right? You describe this as a sensitive situation, and I'm sure it is, and it's not nice to have people um, ridicule you or accuse you of things. To me, I actually found this a humorous situation, uh, trying to imagine this woman, who you mentioned as a friend uh, after some hesitation, standing at the baseline, stalking you as you described it, uh, as you hit your serve. And I just, I'm trying to get that picture out of my head and not smile, but... Um, but I find it kind of funny. Here's what I would say. Why do you care what she thinks? If you were convinced that you were hitting serve in a legal way, and I remember when we talked about you and we looked at the video and we said, oh yeah, it's borderline, it's close, but it's fine. And you've got this other professional that you trust who says, hey, you're fine. Why do you care about what this woman says? Is she important to you? Is she the club referee president who is going to bar you from tournaments. Why does her opinion about this matter, is what I would say. So your behavior has changed because of what she says. You say you're now doing this bowling serve that you think is less effective than your usual serve. Why are you the one who has to change just because she's behaving the way she is? I don't think you do. I think what you could do is to keep serving the way that you want to serve. And you can have the confidence you have that, yep, I believe my serve is good. I've been videotaping it and it's no problem. And if she says what she says, then you ignore her. Or if she says it enough and continues to stalk you, as you say, then tell her to back off. She's harassing you, right? What's it to her? Why does she care? This to me is less about a pickleball situation and more about a human interaction situation. She's behaving badly. And I don't know if you, I don't know how clearly you've sort of set down the markers about what's acceptable behavior for, from her and what's not. 
she needs to know that she has gone over the line as far as you're concerned. And lay down those markers, let her know this is not okay, leave you alone. And if she continues to behave badly, well, you got to be more forceful. Talk to your gym management, say, hey, there's a person here harassing me, something. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But I think if you're confident in what you're doing, um, if you videotape yourself consistently or you invite her, how about that? You invite her, hey, lady, feel free to tape me whenever you want when I'm playing. And we together will will go and have a nice latte and a croissant and look at my serve in slow-mo and I will show you why it's legal. Do that if you want and if you have confidence in it. Um, but it seems to me like this is getting a little bit out of hand, and I also think that um, perhaps you are taking her opinion a little too seriously. Hi, Mark. This is John from Buffalo, New York. I have a question about grips. Not paddle grips, but how to grip the paddle. I used to play tennis and used both forehand and backhand grips. When I play pickleball, muscle memory kicks in and I change grips as appropriate but I've been hearing that the continental grip is better for pickleball because there's no time to change when at the kitchen line. I've been trying it, but it feels really awkward for me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks. One of the beauties of pickleball is that it's relatively easy to start playing. Someone who has limited athletic experience and no racket experience can pick up a paddle and usually can bump the ball around over the net. That's great. One of the downsides is that you can get away with using some pretty funky grips early on, and that might be a problem down the road as you try to do more advanced things. So when I work with beginning players, I encourage them to use a continental grip. And for those of you who aren't sure what that is, imagine you were holding your paddle and you were holding it uh, like you would hold a hammer. The V of your hand between your thumb and your index finger goes right on top of the grip, almost like you're holding a hammer. This is a really great grip for beginning players because it's really versatile. I can hit forehands and backhands with it. I can hit volleys, I can hit drops, I can hit dinks, I can hit smashes. And beginning players, well, they've got enough to worry about. You don't need to also encourage them to use different grips depending on where the ball is. That said, the continental grip has some real liabilities. When you use a continental grip and you make contact out front between your body and the net, the paddle face tends to tilt up a little bit. And that can be great if you're playing a drop, for example, or a dink, a lob, or even a serve that you want to hit with a fairly high arc. But if you want to hit that ball hard, you've also got to hit it quite low over the net. And with an open paddle face, it's very difficult to keep the ball low, obviously. Now, with that grip, you could tilt your hand so that the paddle face is straight up and down, but that's a pretty awkward position to hit from. So what you see most of the pros do is they don't use that continental grip when they're hitting the ball hard, like on a serve or a return of serve or even a drive volley. What they do is they tilt the paddle, they change the grip so that their hand is slightly behind the handle. We call that an eastern forehand grip. And when your hand is behind the paddle, that's a really strong position to hit from. And because the paddle face is now straight up and down, it's perpendicular, it becomes easier to keep that ball low, which is great if you're driving the ball. However, if you use that exact same grip, that eastern forehand grip on the backhand side, now the paddle face is really open and your hand, instead of being behind the paddle, is now in front of it. And that's a really weak position. And for a lot of people, one of the reasons their backhand is so weak is because they've got that poor grip. They're still using a forehand grip on the backhand side. 
Now, what could you do instead to have a stronger backhand that you could drive the ball nice and low? Well, the continental grip, we said, tilts the paddle up a little bit, so that's no good. But if you turn it over just a little bit, so the knuckle of your index finger is right on top of the handle, we call that an eastern backhand grip. And again, the paddle face will be straight up and down, nice and perpendicular, and your hand will be in a pretty strong hitting position. This allows you to then drive the ball nice and low. But the trouble is, you have to change between an eastern forehand grip and an eastern backhand grip. And you're right, that takes time. So what do the pros do? Well, they change the grip when they have time. So if, for example, I'm hitting a return of serve, that ball's gotta come about 45 feet before it gets to me. That should, in most cases, give me enough time to do a grip change between the eastern forehand or eastern backhand. If I'm hitting a serve, well, I can use my eastern forehand grip. That ball's gotta go all the way to the other side of the court and then all the way back, and again, I would have time to change to use the grip that I like. But when don't you have much time? Well, typically when you're up at the net, and especially when your opponents are at the net as well. And that's when you see most of the players, not all, most of the players use that continental grip, use that versatile grip where you can hit forehands and backhands. It's not an especially strong grip for either side, but it's not an especially weak grip for either side either. So a lot of the pros, what they'll do is they'll use their eastern forehand or eastern backhand when they're at the back of the court, when they have time to change. And when they get up close, they revert to a continental grip, which is more versatile, and they can play their volleys and overheads easily. This episode of Pickleball Problems is brought to you by Selkirk Sport. In the beginning, we gave you unlimited power and asked just one thing in return. Just one thing. Just keep it in. What were we thinking? Mistakes were made. Lives were lost. But this time, just relax. We've got you covered. Selkirk. Power. Control. No compromise. Uh, this is Martin Landon. I'm calling from uh, South Florida. Uh, we here in our community are looking at buying a pickleball machine. And we're uh, evaluating the Simon II versus the uh, Tudor. And I was wondering if you folks had uh, done any evaluation and or had any feedback for me. I personally never use pickleball machines, and that's for a very specific reason. The main skill of pickleball isn't hitting the ball, that's relatively easy. It's moving to the ball. When your opponent hits a high lob that you've got to go chase down, or a wide serve that pulls you off the court, or a short volley that lands in the kitchen. The most important skill, and I've talked about this before, I've written about this, the most important skill in pickleball is being able to move and to receive a ball that may not be exactly where you think. Now, a ball machine puts the ball exactly where you think, or at least it's supposed to. And so I don't use it very often with my students because the skill that it develops hitting the ball is sort of secondary to this more important one of chasing it down. That said, you do still need to hit the ball. And this tool, this ball machine, is a great tool for some things. Let's say, for example, you're trying to develop a new motor pattern. Let's say instead of always hitting low to high, you want to start to swing straight through the ball a little more level to, for example, play a third shot drive. Well, that's going to take a fair bit of repetition to develop that muscle memory to be able to do it, to change that motor pattern. Or let's say, for example, you want to start to learn how to hit a backhand slice return. You can kind of do it, but you need more practice getting that open paddle face and that high to low swing path. 
Ball machines are really great for that. So I applaud you and your club for looking at ways to provide more value to your members, and a ball machine might be one way to do it. As for what kind of ball machine you should get, I'm sorry, I have no idea. Um, I hear people who like the Simon, I hear people who like the Tudor. Um, I've seen both of them break down and not do what they're supposed to do, so I can't offer much in the way of advice there. But my other piece of advice would be, if you are a club that's looking to provide support and ways for people to get better, sure, invest in the ball machine, but invest some time. Invest some dedicated time for those courts to be drill-specific. So, hey, we're coming out, and I know that open play goes from 9 till noon, but you know what? 8.30 till 9 is dedicated training time. And uh, whether people choose to do that training with a ball machine or with a partner, so it's a little more realistic, you're providing value. You're giving them a chance to practice and a chance to get better. Hey, Mark. David Smith from Anthem, Arizona. I want you to address a couple questions regarding the Ernie shot that we hear quite often at the courts. One, can you cut across the kitchen, reestablish yourself before you hit the ball? Two, do you have to wait for the ball to cross the net before you actually hit it? And three, can your paddle cross over the net after you have hit the ball? David, you said you had a couple questions, then you proceeded to ask me three. But because you were so brief in your questions, and I appreciate brevity, I will grant your wish and answer all three of them. One, yes, you may cut across the kitchen. You can run through the kitchen. You can jump over the kitchen. I think what you're talking about is running through the kitchen to get to out past the sideline to then hit the ball. Ernie style, we call that. Um, yep, you can do that, no problem, so long as, after running through the kitchen, both of your feet touch. They get reestablished outside of the non-volley zone. It's not good enough just to have one foot reestablished. It's not good enough to have one and almost your second one reestablished. Both feet. And reestablishment just means getting them both down and outside of the kitchen zone. So if you can do that, swing away, hit your Ernie. Second... Yes, you have to wait for the ball to cross your side of the net. You can't hit the ball before it even comes over to your side of the net. That would be silly. So if you're going to go out there and you're going to hit an Ernie, that's fine. But you got to wait for it to cross your side of the net. And yes, your paddle can cross the plane of the net. Your body can even cross the plane of the net. You can't touch the net, but you can go across the net when you play one of these shots, so long as you hit the ball. But if you go and you swing and you try to hit your Ernie shot and you miss the ball completely, and then your paddle crosses the net or your body goes past the plane of the net outside the court, you lose. It's a fault. So you may cross the plane of the net, can't touch the net. You can cross the plane of the net with your body or your paddle as long as you made contact with the ball. So I have a question for you. What is it? Have you ever played pickleball before? Yeah. Yeah? What's your favorite part of pickleball? I like hitting the ball. Do you think it's more fun to play with a friend or by yourself? It's a friend. Can you play with a friend? Yeah. Thanks for your help. Whether you like training on your own or with a buddy, we've got you covered. Head over to thirdshotsports.com and use the promo code PROBLEMS to get a great discount on one of our drill guides. Have more fun hitting the ball. Thirdshotsports.com Let's go make breakfast. Can I hear it? I can hold it. Hi Mark, this is Steve Miner from South Carolina. I have a question about the new rules. There's a definition for underhand. It's... Um, 3.A.36, underhand. The player's arm must be moving 
in a forward and upward arc with the palm turned upward or downward. I'm confused by what they mean about the palm turned upward or downward. Um, it seems to me it'd be easier to understand something about the paddle face, but uh, my palm is wrapped around the handle, so I don't know where it's pointing. Um, let me know if you uh, have any ideas about what they mean by this new rule or definition. Thanks. Bye. Sometimes when I'm coaching pickleball, I'll stop mid-sentence and sort of look up into the air or close my eyes for a minute. And my students sometimes think that I'm having a small stroke or uh, forgetting what it is I'm talking about. But in fact, it's just me trying to think about the words I want to use to try to be precise with what I'm saying, because I think that precision in language matters. This to me, 3.A.36, is an example of not being very careful with the words we use. Now, um, this is on page 16 of the brand new rulebook, and it's in, you're right, the definitions section. And what this is about, underhand, the player's arm must be moving in a forward and upward arc with the palm turned upward or downward, is a really clumsy way of them saying you can hit your serve with a forehand or a backhand. I know this for a fact, I spoke with someone a high-up executive person at the USAPA. We're very well connected here at Pickleball Problems. And this person told me this is not about changing the serve, meaning that you have to now only serve with a bowling action or something silly like that. What it's really about is a way to indicate that you can hit your serve with a forehand or with a backhand. I don't know why they didn't just write the serve may be hit with a forehand or a backhand, but... I'm not the rules and the definitions person. So keep serving the way you were. Don't really worry about that part. But um, just remember, forehands and backhands are legal serves. Hello, Mark. This is Paul from Oklahoma. Part of my pre-serving motion is to take two practice swings prior to contacting the ball. Uh, my opponents feel that that's irritating and annoying and maybe even against the rules. But uh, you know, I'm following all the other underhand motions below the navel and, and making sure that my wrist is not, I mean, the paddle's not above my wrist. So, anyway, I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. There's no rule related to the pre-serve routine, as far as I know. So go ahead, do your practice swings, no problem. And if your opponents find it annoying or irritating, tell them that you find them annoying and irritating. You're fine. And we'll leave it there. Thanks to everyone who called this week, and thanks to all of our listeners. If you have a problem that you would like me to solve for you, give me a call. 1-833-PICKLEBE. That's 1-833-742-5532. Just leave me a message. All right. See you next time.